most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Man, what the hell is this, man? Breakfast Club, bitches. I'm glad they put y'all together. Y'all are like a mega force. Y'all just took over everything. No, the- Wake your punk ass up. This Chris Brown. I've officially joined The Breakfast Club. Say something, motherfucker. I'm with it. The world's most dangerous morning show, Breakfast Club, bitches. Yo 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 Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ MV. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Pump day. And good morning, Toronto. Shout out to everybody in the 6 Toronto. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody on this hump day? Woo. Well, today I definitely need to take my vitamins. But um, why, why is that? Well, yesterday was a long day. After the show, Angie Martinez and I spoke to Tamika Palmer, who is Brianna Taylor's mother. Brianna Taylor would have been 27 on Friday. But this was mm-hmm. all after over the weekend we had a Zoom call. And Breonna Taylor's mother still hasn't gotten justice for the police killing her. This was in Louisville, Kentucky. On March 13th, the police officers who they had the no-knock warrant, which I know a lot of people have been having conversations about no-knock warrants right now, and they have even temporarily suspended them in Louisville, Kentucky. But they went to her house thinking that somebody was selling drugs out of her home. Turns out they had the wrong address, and the person had already been apprehended four hours earlier. They broke down her door and started shooting and ended up killing her. They shot her eight times. And they still haven't gotten justice. The police officers haven't been fired. Uh, There's no charges, nothing. So this happened on March 13th again. And so right now we want to just make sure everybody knows the story and make sure that police do at least something has to happen for these police officers so that Tamika can feel some sort of justice was served and she talks about how alone she felt you know this all happened when coronavirus was early on in the stages so people were distracted by that and she's been getting the runaround and there's different stories and she gets to tell her whole story so angie martinez and i came together to do this interview yesterday just because a lot of women things are happening with women also with black women and their stories aren't being told and there hasn't been justice served in a lot of those so we want to make sure that we actually amplify their story yeah, I can't wait to hear this conversation because there's so many details that you just don't know. It's kind of since coronavirus mm-hmm. and the COVID-19 and George Floyd and the protests, you really didn't necessarily get this full, complete story. You didn't hear the impact of this story. So I'm excited about this conversation. Yeah, right. the sad part about stories like Breonna Taylor is it's like um, out of sight, out of mind, right? Because you have videos for everything else. There's visuals for Ahmaud Arbery, mm-hmm. visuals for George Floyd. You know, being that it's not a visual for Breonna Taylor or, or, or other people that get killed, at the hands of the police, you know, people don't. People seem not to f- focus attention and energy on them. They forget about it so fast. Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm excited about this conversation. Also, and there uh, was Rus- a nine one. And there was a nine one one call, by the way, that is heartbreaking when you hear it because when you hear her boyfriend calling nine one one, I was like broke down when I mm. listened to that. It's hard to listen to. And also, Russell Simmons will be checking in this morning. You know, Russell Simmons, the founder yes. of Def Jam and the founder of so many different things. He'll be checking in to talk about a new book he has uh, 
coming out shortly. It's called Eat to Live. And we're also going to be talking about everything that's going on in Russell Simmons' life. So there's a lot going on with Russell Simmons, and we're going to talk about yes, there is. all that today, this all morning. That. that was hard for all me, All the too, allegations too. against him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We'll, we'll talk to him uh, as well. So let's get the show cracking. Front page news, what are we talking about? Well, let's talk about the chaos during the primaries that happened in Georgia yesterday. Long lines, a lot of confusions. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen with voting machines and provisional ballots and all of that, but we'll give you some updates on what happened yesterday when people went to go vote. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, let's start with voting in Georgia. There were a lot of voting delays across the state, and officials are calling for investigations. They're going to be investigating why voters spent four hours at some point standing in line. It was a hot June oh, day. And people were supposed to be voting. Some voting was extended to 9.30 p.m., more than two and a half hours after they were supposed to close. And at least one precinct stayed open until 10.10 p.m. So imagine that. Some people were leaving because they just couldn't wait any longer. And so right now it looks like uh, voting machines were down. There were limited provisional ballots. People were saying voter suppression is happening right now, particularly in black communities. That's where a lot of this went down. They said we cannot let this happen in November. So... Oh, God. I've sat on this radio and gotten on cable news networks numerous times and said with possible possible Russian interference, voter depression, meaning people not enthused about the candidate, and voter suppression, how are you going to beat Donald Trump in November? And all you hear Democrats say is we have to get the largest voter turnout in American history. Well, guess what, people? Hope is not a strategy. What is the plan to beat things like voter suppression? How? It's got to be a plan, right? State election officials are saying there were all kinds of issues like inexperienced election workers, uh, safety issues because of coronavirus, the heightened use of absentee ballots, and they're saying that there were malfunctioning equipment and all kinds of things that were happening. And Democrats are looking to defeat two Republican senators in in 2020 in a state where they haven't had a Democratic senator elected in 20 years. We know that voting is going to happen. We know that voting is going to happen. We know these, you know, uh, election booths will be open. There's nothing in place to prevent possible voter suppression. Nothing. There's nobody policing that. (laughs) I don't. I don't know, man. Good luck. What's going to happen in November? I don't know, because hope is not a strategy. All you hear Democrats say is, we need the largest voter turnout in American history. What are you doing to get that? What are you doing to galvanize people, energize people, and garner people to come out? You think just fear of Donald Trump is going to be enough? I don't don't know if that's the case. And yesterday was also the day that George Floyd was laid to rest. That's when they had the service that actually was a private service. So... uh, People were, you know, Monday, yesterday, they did have people waiting uh, in long lines and in the heat. More than 6,300 people waited to pay their respects. But yesterday's service lasted close to four hours. It was only invited guests. Those guests included people like Floyd Mayweather Jr., who actually paid for the funeral services, Slim Thug, Paul Wall. Of course, attorney Ben Crump was there, Reverend Al Sharpton, the mayor, Sylvester Turner was there as well in Houston. And some of the people who spoke included Brooke Williams, who is uh, George Floyd's niece. Mm-hmm. And I can breathe. As long as I'm breathing, justice will be served. My uncle was a father, brother, uncle, and a cousin to many. 
spiritually grounded and activist. He always moved people with his words. Their officer showed no remorse while watching my uncle's soul leave his body. Why must this system be corrupt and broken? Laws were already put in place for the African-American system to fail. And these laws need to be changed. No more hate crimes, please. Someone said, make America great again. But when has America ever been great? For black people. Rest in mm -hmm. peace, uh, George Floyd. And Joe Biden uh, spoke via... Joe Biden spoke via video. Here's what he said. Why in this nation do too many black Americans wake up knowing that they can lose their life in the course of just living their life? We cannot leave this moment thinking we can once again turn away from racism that stings at our very soul. It's about who we are, what we believe, and maybe most importantly, who we want to be to ensure that all men and women are not only created equal, but are treated equally. We can heal this nation's wounds and remember its pain, not callous the heart and forget. I was surprised and he didn't actually go. I was really surprised. And Reverend Al Sharpton, who was there, spoke as well. All over the world, George, they're marching with your name. Even in a pandemic, people are walking out in the streets because you've touched the world. And as we lay you to rest today, the movement won't rest until we get justice, until we have one standard of justice. Your family is going to miss you, George, but your nation is going to always remember your name because your neck was one that represented all of us and how you suffered represented our suffering. Mm. Other people who were there were families of people who have loved ones that were killed by the police, like Eric Garner's mother was there, mm -hmm. Baltham Jean's sister, the family of Pamela Turner, the father of Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin's, he, uh, Al Shopton also recognized Trayvon Martin's mother and the father of Ahmaud Arbery. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, definitely. Rest in peace, George Floyd. All right, Mom. that's your front page news. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. Phone lines are wide open. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. I'm dialing. I'm dialing. Hey, what you doing, man? I'm dialing. I'm calling call you. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? You. What's good, Envy? What's up, Trav? Good morning. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Hey, ye. Hey, what's up, Trav? How you doing, boo? I'm good. How are you, boo? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. What's going on, Charlemagne? Please, what up, sis? Uh, chilling like a villain. Chilling like a villain. Hey, man. I'm gonna try to. Um, I'm gonna try to say this without without without, without bringing down without bringing down a black woman, right? But but I have to get something off my chest. So somebody has to take just not that hilarious phone away from her, bro. Like, she is a bold-faced liar, and I'm tired of it, yo. Like, the same way that we're not tolerating racism anymore is the same way I'm not about to tolerate any type of discriminatory behavior from anyone, man. She went on a rant, and in her rant, she stated that just because, just because she called somebody a F.A. that it shouldn't have upset the entire LGBT community. And that just sounds so stupid to me because it's like if a white person calls somebody a and she, he only means it to that one individual black person, it's going to affect everybody in the black community. So when you call a 16-year-old black man, you know, young man, an F.A. 
and he didn't call you a and that's just what it is. And she's a bold-faced liar. That, that, that young man never called her a trap. He said he called her a horse face and said that she looked like a man, and that she needs to stop lying. She's a bold-faced liar, and I'm tired of her. <laughs> you do all, you you definitely don't like just hilarious. I didn't pay I didn't see that what transpired, so you really broke it down uh, for oh, me. Oh, you on this whole rant about oh y'all y'all don't have a platform. Like everybody that has the Instagram has a platform. Some people platforms just happen to blow up. Like just hilarious, mm. nobody needs you. You're not a celebrity for real. Like stop it. She is also in her forties calling a sixteen year old a Just hilarious is in her twenties, crazy. I know how old she is, man. She just looked like she in her 40s, though. Oh <laughs> you see God. what I'm saying? Trav. <laughs> you can't. Now you disrespecting her. Come on now. <laughs> but that's not. No, but still, there's a difference. But so this is because I called. This, this is because I told a white woman, you look like a horse. And she called me a n- You're going to have a problem with this. So have the same problem with the same people who do the same thing to black LGBT. You don't like the, sl- you don't like the slurs. I don't like the slur, and I know exactly what Billy Porter's talking about. And Charlamagne, you can sit there and act like you don't know what he's talking about, talking about black people are intolerant. No, there are some black people who literally be like, oh, if he looks at me like this, I'll kill him because he's Stop gay. It. Oh, Stop he it. Did this. Stop it. Listen, Trav, that was, a, that was a terrible analogy that he used because white supremacy is the same. White supremacy is what kept gay people from getting married. White supremacy is what kept gay people from having the same rights. Like, black he's people weren't doing that. that Charlamagne. He's not talking about that. Well, just say that black people have been intolerant over gay people over the years. Don't say white supremacy, bro. Come on now. Well, I don't say white supremacy, but what I'm talking about, though, you said intolerant. No, there are some black, gay, there are some black people who just hate gay black people because they're gay. It's not intolerance. It's yeah, called but it's, hate. But it's, but it's still not white supremacy. White supremacy is oppressing your rights and marginalizing your I never rights. I understand white supremacy. White, white, white supremacy, but Billy, Billy Porter did, though. That's what I'm saying. That's why I said it was a bad analogy. I'm not Billy Porter. Well, well thank well, you, Trav, right, for, for calling in and checking in. Trav is very Getting passionate this chest. morning about everything. Jeesh. All right. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? Yo, good morning, good morning. What's up, Envy? What's up, Envy? Hey, good morning, brother. What's up, Charlamagne? Good morning. Hey, get it off your chest, bro. Yo, first and foremost, man, I want to say peace to everybody upon us listening, man. We got to spread love more and more each and every day, man. But also, man, I want to talk about the George Floyd video real quick, man. First of all, rest in peace to the brother. It's a shame that he's not here no longer. But if you peep the video, man, look at the paramedics. They didn't look like regular paramedics. They didn't even, they didn't even do anything that most paramedics are supposed to do. On, yeah, on I was scene. thinking about that yesterday, too. Like, should they be charged as well? They didn't do, they didn't try to resuscitate him. They didn't give him CPR. It, 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 they look kind of crazy, too. I didn't see them do anything on him. Right, that's what I'm saying. So my, my, my constant, I mean, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but, like, it just looked, it just looked too, too choreographed, you feel me? hmm So, like, you know, and then look where everything is at right now. Why I take this one brother for everybody to just really upgrade? And it, it seemed like a plan that everybody just followed step and fell right into place. I think that it was a lot I, of different it, factors, man. It's you a combination of a lot of three things. Months. We've been home for three months because of the coronavirus pandemic, and you know people have been sitting in the house. People don't have jobs right now, so they really don't have anything to do but go out there and protest, which is a great thing. But you got to think if everybody had was at work and had jobs to go to, we'd have probably forgot about George Floyd already. Sadly, I guess I can agree to disagree with that one, but I don't know, man. I just I just feel like this becomes such more more political now than than ever. 
You know what I mean? And it, and it goes it from... It, it is an election year. Police brutality. I mean, indeed. But it goes from police brutality to, again, as always, black against white, black against white. Well, there are a lot of policies now is. that that are being initiated because of what's been happening and because of bringing attention to George Floyd. Well, thank you for calling, brother. George Floyd is dead because of systemic racism. So it's not black against white. It's us versus white supremacy. It's us versus systemic racism. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up now. We got rumors on the way, Yee? Yes, we are going to be talking about a TV show that has gotten canceled, and this show has been on the air since 1989. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get to the rumors. Let's talk about a show that might never come back. It's about time. What's going on? This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Well, cops and some other law enforcement theme shows have been canceled. The Paramount Network has officially pulled the plug on cops. Now, cops uh, started airing on Fox. They aired on Fox for 25 seasons and then... Uh, Spike TV started airing it in 2013. And then after that, the Paramount Network acquired the show from Spike TV. Now they are saying Cops is not on the Paramount Network and we don't have any current or future plans for its return. The 33rd season of the show was supposed to start on Monday, but uh, no episode has aired since June 1st. That's when, obviously, there's been a lot of protests against police brutality, a lot of people supporting the Black Lives Matter movement. And all of that. So it originally premiered back in 1989. And right now, they've been under fire for its depiction of law enforcement and for the questionable practices behind the scenes. I mean, that mean, does that mean something to people? Do folks cite that, that as a win? Like cops taking being cops canceled? off? I don't, care about, I don't care about cops TV show being canceled. I care about cops being fired and brought to justice in a court of law. I care about the... Justice of Policing Act, you know, that, that bans the type of chokeholds that killed George Floyd. I, I care about that because that bans no-knock warrants that, they, in, in cases like the one that killed Breonna Taylor, like New York passing the Aragona Anti-Chokehold Act. I care about stuff like that. I care about Governor Cuomo pushing to pass the Amy Cooper bill, making it a hate crime to call 911 with a false accusation of, of racism. Like, I don't care if the cops TV show got canceled. That means nothing. Well, you know, another show, Live PD, which shows on A&E, also was pulled from the air. Now, what's interesting about that, I don't know if you guys have been hearing about Javier Ambler. He was a 40-year-old father of two. He was a postal worker. And he died last year on March 28, 2019, while being arrested in Austin, and they were actually filming the live PD during that episode. I was going to so say that. I was, I was mm-hmm. going to say with those shows, doesn't it make it good that they have people recording to see what those police officers are actually doing? You pull those see, things off saying, air, like, you know, how, how, who's taping them? There's nobody taping them. Like, don't well, there's we supposed to be see the body cameras right. and, and footage on the cars, but the problem is this. They're saying that a lot of times on those shows, they overreact to situations. Like in the case of Javier Ambler, they said he was pulled over because he didn't mm. dim his SUV headlights to oncoming traffic. He got he ended up getting tasered four times. And they said he was saying he has congestive heart failure. He couldn't breathe. He was crying out, save me. And then I've they tased him again. Actually. Yeah, I've seen that yesterday. Yeah, and this, mind you, this happened last year in March. Yeah, and I've seen so, that yesterday. And this was all during a taping for Live PD that this but happened. Live- and there were a lot of complaints from local people about how the cops were treating them because they were filming the show and they felt uh, like some of the deputies were filming the show and doing a lot of stuff gotcha. for that. 
going and over the and beyond edited, the cameras. Yeah. And the way that they edit it, because they have full control over how they edit it, so the cops can choose how that video is edited. And mm. so that's another issue of how people are portrayed gotcha. and how the cops are portrayed on these shows. Gotcha. Yeah, it's just it's just amazing that those production companies ever thought that was entertainment. That's why I don't look at them now and salute them or applaud them. For 25 years, you thought cops and uh, in, in, in their relationship with the community was entertainment. Now, all of a sudden, you got a heart? Get the F out of here. Now, interestingly what? enough, that footage that they're looking for, right, A&E has not handed over that footage. And they said that footage has been destroyed. So they said, as is oh, the case crazy. with all footage taken by live PD producers, we no longer retain the unaired footage after learning that the investigation had That's concluded. Bull crap. Charlamagne, now you, 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 not- you, now you, you have a production company and you film a lot. Have you ever seen anybody say, no, we destroyed the footage? I know some of these, they have footage I, I, for years. Yeah, but I don't know who has, I don't know who has the actual rights to the footage. I don't know if the, I don't know if there's a camera crew out there with, the actual police officers. Now, there's a camera crew out there with the police officers. There's an actual camera crew out there with the police officers. Oh, so they got the footage then. Absolutely. They definitely got the footage. And by well, the they way, they're not going to get rid of Live PD. Live PD makes too much money. And That's what I said. Too high. I don't know, you, I don't you know how who, cops was doing. That's what I said. Well, like, host, you said who's entertaining. Like, people watch it. The, the ratings were high as hell. Well, the host of the show, Dan tweeted, tweeted out, to all of you asking whether Live PD coming back, the answer is yes. All of us associated with the show are as committed to it as ever. We are still discussing some specifics, but I want to assure the Live PD nation that we are not abandoning you. Yeah, I wonder why so, those networks don't push to defund the police. Uh, like, why don't those networks push to, you know, get the cops that killed Breonna Taylor arrested? Like, do specials about stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Because they have those mm-hmm. big platforms. So when you got those big platforms, use them, you know? All right, well, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right, now we got front page news next. What are we talking about? Yes, and let's talk about what's been happening. Voting yesterday, people had to vote, and in Georgia, there were a lot of issues. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, officials in Georgia have launched an investigation into what happened yesterday during Election Day. Now, you know, uh, what they did in Georgia was they actually have to phase out paperless voting machines by this year. So many voting issues were because of these new machines that were provided as part of a contract, a multi-million dollar contract with Dominion Voting Systems. But they're saying in some counties... People were not able to vote. As a matter of fact, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms tweeted at one point that none of the machines in one precinct were working. That's crazy. So some people were waiting online for up to four hours. Now, Kamala Harris also tweeted out, voting machines down, limited provisional ballots, hours long lines. Voter suppression is happening right now across Georgia, particularly in black communities. We can't let this happen in November. Yeah, but why do we keep falling for the same tricks every year? Like, I keep telling y'all, how do you expect to beat Donald Trump in November when all the same problems, all the same issues and trickery that got him in the, got him the election in 2016 are still at play this year? Possible Russian interference, voter yeah. suppression because people aren't enthused about Biden like they weren't about Hillary, and voter suppression, which we saw in Georgia again yesterday. It seems weird. It's 2020, bro. The fact that these machines, yes. they can't get them working, that there's problems. Like, it's 2020. Like, this seems well, crazy. Yeah, these are new machines. And the other issue they said were health concerns because of coronavirus. And, you know, some places, because schools are closed, so they had to consolidate some of the locations where you can go vote. They said the state has mailed absentee ballot requests also to registered voters, but 
Not sure how that's going to play into things. So, I you got know, my polling stations. Mm-hmm. Jersey. I okay. And then when you so talk you, to Democrats and ask them, hmm? Are you planning to go yeah. in or do you want to mail it in? I'm probably going to go like, in. But yeah, I'm going to go in too. It's kind of, it's, it, it's based on where I live at. It's kind of simple for me to vote because it's just like this little church right up the street. Yeah, for me too. Yeah, it's, it's very simple for me. But yeah, I'm going to go in. I, and I don't, I, you know, I don't want to mail it in. It's something to get, you know, stuck in the mail. And there's always been stories of, of you would hear people stealing the mail. So I'm going I'm to I'm take my ass in. Yep. I don't, I don't trust the mail-in ballots. And, and then it's, it's sad when you talk to Democrats and ask them how they're going to win in November, and they always say, we have well, we hope to have the largest voter turnout in American history. Well, guess what, people? Hope is not a strategy. All right? But is, is hope the best you can come up with? Jesus Christ. Okay, do you guys remember Dr. Anthony Fauci? <laughs> <laughs> I heard of him. <laughs> Who's that? Who, who is that? Who is that? Well, he's the infectious disease expert who had previously had daily briefings about coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Well, now he is warning that coronavirus is still not over and that the nightmare pandemic isn't even close to over. He said in a period of four months, it has devastated the whole world and it isn't over yet. He uh, said there's still a world of uncertainty around the virus, how it spreads, how it impacts the body. He said coronavirus is much more complex than HIV, which is a virus he spent his career studying because of the different levels of seriousness and infections from asymptomatic carriers to patients who end up having fatal conditions. And he said vaccines will be the only way to stop the spread of the coronavirus. And he did express confidence that there is an antidote in the works. So that is what he still had to say about uh, coronavirus. Now, who the World Health Organization also had said that there, it was very rare for asymptomatic coronavirus transmissions to occur. Well, now they're walking back those comments, and here's what they said. Oh, I was referring to some uh, detailed investigations, cluster investigations, where we had reports from member states saying that when we follow asymptomatic cases, it's very rare that we found a secondary transmission. What I didn't report yesterday was, because this is a major unknown, some groups, some modeling groups have tried to estimate what is the proportion of asymptomatic people that may transmit? Um, but some estimates of around 40% of transmission may be due to asymptomatic. I'm sick of who. Uh, I need to talk to uh, what uh, and where and why. <laughs> and I'm, I, I don't, don't want to hear from who no more. Exactly. <laughs> what are they talking about? Why do things change all the time with them? That's I why nobody know. cares. I don't even know that's what that's that statement said. Me neither. I don't, I don't even know what she said just now. Can I go outside? Isn't Dr. Fauci is like know. the DJ who's trying to get a packed crowd to go home? Like he's he already like you know even when you, you interview you a DJ. Yes. He's trying to get us a packed crowd and they're trying to get the people out and nobody leaving. So nobody leaving. I let guys, go. you gotta go. People still dancing. Guys, nope. police outside. Nope. Guys, nope. guys, start playing, hey. start playing gospel music. Nobody yeah, gospel still music. leaving. They start dancing. Slow music. They start Lights dancing. On. Yep. Lights on. Lights guys. on in the club. Be safe. Nobody this is my leaving. last song. I promise, guys. You gotta leave. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's Fauci. That's Fauci right now. You're not even paying well, that no is your, attention. That is your front page news. All right. Now, when we come back, Russell Simmons will be joining us. We're going to kick it with Russell Simmons about all that's going on with him, his allegations. He has a new book and all that. So don't move. Russell Simmons, when we return, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest on the line. Yes, indeed. Uncle Russ, Russell Simmons, welcome. How you doing, bro? How, how are you? Well, well, first of all, where are you, Russ? Because you never right, know. Right now, I'm in my home in Bali. 
Um, I got stuck here. You know, they, they closed the borders and I got stuck, which is fine by me. So I'm still here. I haven't been back since the middle of January. Wow. Why, why Bali? What's so what's so good about Bali? What do you like about Bali? Man, it's yoga, vegan Disneyland. And also, uh, I have work here in Asia. I have a talent agency. It's in 13 countries. And Bali is kind of in the middle of all the countries. So it's really a, a great location. And it's, it's like people come here for self-study and self-realization. And this is a place of pilgrimage for a lot of people to come. And I think life's only goal is uh, to know the self. What kind of self-realizations have you had? Well, it's an ongoing process. I mean, everything we do is to find the self. So whether it's through meditation or yoga or just do good deeds or any of it, you know, you move a little quicker. We're all going towards God, like it or not. Mm-hmm. And we all are discovering the self. But the rate at which we discover the self depends on our effort. So more presence, more happiness. Oh, Russ, you know, you lost your um, you lost your best friend recently, Andre Harrell, good friend of mine. Yeah. How, how did that impact you? It impacted me greatly. Uh, you know, I was in the middle of writing a book called Eat to Live, a post-pandemic lifestyle. If I can contribute something to our community, it's to support this ongoing movement towards a more healthy diet and healthy choices. I've been a vegan for over 20 years, and the proceeds, as all of my books, the proceeds will go back into the community. And... I dedicated to, to Andre, who was my closest friend. And the last conversation I had with him was about his diet, and I plugged him into a doctor. And 18 hours later, O'Neill found him. I sent O'Neill to his house. So this broke my heart and made me even more passionate about wanting to spread this message to our community. Russ, you said that you sent O'Neill to Andre's house. What, 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 what made you do that? You know, I speak to Andre, like I said, multiple times a day. And... Myself, Tracy Maitland, and another friend of his hadn't spoken to him. So I called his son and asked that he spoken to him. And all of us were concerned. So we called his cousin O'Neill and sent O'Neill to his crib. And O'Neill and Cassie went over there and O'Neill went and found his cousin. And my brother uh, had passed. You know, um, I spoke to Andre, too. I, I guess they said he passed on a Thursday. I spoke to him that Tuesday. And he was actually, I mean, he was speaking to me about a lot of things, but he was speaking to me about a conversation that you, him, and Maxine Waters had. That's good that you brought that up because I've been working for over 30 years on police brutality. Ever since after police came out and Cop Killer, I was the one that had to make sense of those songs. I had to go to Congress, and I worked with New Orleans and Detroit and Baltimore and Philly and various different places with the Nation of Islam, I would go to the police sensitivity trainings. And those trainings were good, and the, and the dialogue between police and community was good, but they never really represent systematic change. Mm-hmm. And for all of this time, the one thing that was always troublesome in our police policing system is that the prosecutors have never had the right to prosecute police. And so when they talk about police reform, and I'm excited to, that they have now, a bill that they just introduced. Yep. That's exciting. But when I watch the news, we don't talk as much about that prosecution point because police accountability is the core of this discussion. Are you, are you, how involved are you still in NYC politics? Not so much. I mean, you know, I'm very concerned and excited at the same time about how this bill goes. And see, young people brought us to a point we wouldn't even believe we got here. They got out in the street. They're dedicated to change. And what we need now is to make sure the steering committees 
You know what I mean? Whoever they are, people like you, you know, leaders of young people, get them on a page to push for the change that they really need and not to make a choice for them, but to present them with the options. So if young people continue to push and they know what they're pushing for, like that bill that the Black Caucus introduced yesterday, then we will see some real systematic change and it's the beginning of something new. Yeah, the, the Justice Policing Act of 2020. Now, Russell, I want you to do a grounding before we get into this next line of questioning. Do a grounding. Okay. I'm okay. grounded. Now, have, yeah. have you have you watched On the Record on HBO? I have not watched it, but I'm aware. You know, when I first heard about this documentary, I was thrilled to know that Oprah was involved. Really? Because I thought, and I told many people, it was impossible for her to go forward. Well, let me back up, because it's very, something I have to say is much more important. I'm guilty of having underwritten, supported, made the soundtrack for, taken advantage of, and lived in a grossly unjust society. So I know what I'm guilty of, and I've been unconscious as a playboy, and today the title is Appropriate uh, Womanizing. And, you know, back then I thought it was a game. I dated, if you remember the 80s, and you must remember Robin Givens, and, and I had a crush on, I had a great relationship with Ray Don Chong, and... I fell in love with Troy Baya. I dated Sherry Headley from Coming to America. I went out with Stacey Dash. There were no black actresses that I didn't date. They are my friends today. Also the Dutch and German and French and and Golden and Tanzanian and South African supermodels. I went out every night and I looked for new girls to date and almost all of them are my friends today. And they, they don't have the experience of me being the monster that the movie makes me to be. So I was thrilled that Oprah took on this movie. And I said, it's absolutely no way she's going to go forward when I present her with 30 witnesses or so who came forward after they saw their friends and children and parishioners on television. And so I felt very confident she'd walk away. She walked away and she did say that the stories had inconsistencies, not one, but all stories, all three girls who were the lead. The stories should not have been printed based on the information I've given. And NBC, New York Magazine, CNN, and many people have passed on those stories. And finally, Oprah and Apple. So I'm sorry that the movie is out, but at the same time, I'm glad they had their moment to say what they wanted to say. I could never say that someone doesn't feel victimized. I can tell you that I don't feel that I victimize them. And how can I say that? I took nine separate three-hour lie detector tests. They're available to you, and I just wanted to say that, and I don't know what else to say except I feel terrible about the women who may have felt victimized. I am certainly not a monster or a victimizer. What do you say to your daughters? Because, you know, I've seen your daughters defend you. You have two uh, lovely daughters. So what do you, what do you tell your daughters at, at a time like this? We've lived in a very toxic masculine society, but I tell them also as a person who studies this eminent rise of the divine feminine, which is happening in us and around us as men. That's right. Inclusivity that we need for women going forward is critical to the survival of the planet, that women have to take their rightful place in leadership and there's roles that are more meaningful so that we can survive. All right, we got more with Russell Simmons. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking in with Russell Simmons. Yee. Russell, how many women have come forward at this point and uh, accused you of sexual assault? Six or seven. I noticed that when Les Moonbase or someone like that was accused, they didn't say that a girl you spoke poorly to was a number. 
because he had 30 of them. They didn't say that in a yoga class that you were adjusting somebody and looked like you might have been wrong, but it wasn't a girl. It was another girl watching, and they made that a number. When my story came, there were 25 white men. I was the only man of color. They spent a lot of money digging into my past. But did they do that for the famous rock stars? I hung out with Mick Jagger and Steven Tyler and many, many rock stars. The misunderstandings that I refer to and the insensitivity that I might have exuded at that time was kind of typical of the time. I'm a unlikely ally. I've always been a supporter of the women's movement, and I believe that what's happened in Me Too is fantastic and will continue to open more doors for women and change the relationship between men and women to we have a balance. You know, Russ, when you talk about misunderstandings, because, you know, you're a totally different different person back then. When you're a powerful man and you have women working for you in the industry, you know, if you do, you know, push up on them with some type of sexual advance, sometimes women feel like they can't say no. Do you ever think you put a woman in that situation? Uh, back then, I, I didn't date the women in the office. I only have one person who ever asked for her expenses and then one year later sued me. I have no sexual misconduct of any kind in Def Jam's whole history, except the one who's the lead in this movie. But back then, it was pretty normal to have relationships in the office. But I was never interested because, again, it was those actresses I named and all the supermodels. And I was much more interested in what was outside my office. I had a president who was a woman. I had a president of promotion who was a woman. I had a president of A&R who was a woman. And I had a president of marketing. At one time, there's a picture that I have that I, I pride in in 1992. It was the women of Def Jam. And so we had all women running Def Jam, you know, and they were my partners and friends, and we went to work every day together, and we enjoyed a lot of success during that time. What I really want is healing. And I don't want anyone who feels violated to know how deeply sorry I am, especially what I said about Jay Lamette. I told Oprah, you will find that the three leads in your movie are absolutely not credible, and there's no way you're going to make this movie. But I told her then, there's a story that broke my heart with Jane Lamette's story. And when I read it, it made me cry. A week later, she told me Jenny was in the movie. I haven't seen the movie. But I understand that story breaks my heart. And it's a story of I got in the car and I was afraid. And, and I, I listened to it and I realized that I was perhaps insensitive. But what I wasn't at the time was a mind reader. You know, Russ, back in the day, you was on cocaine. You was drunk. All of y'all were on cocaine. It was the 80s, early 90s. Is there any way you could have misconstrued these sexual experiences or even they could have misconstrued the sexual experiences? Yeah. No, I'm not saying, listen, absolutely there's a way that some of these experiences, except that I was sober by 90. So I'm going to say that. So, yes, of course, I took a lot of drugs. We were all high. Also, you could have been paranoid when you got in the car and the car door locked, you know, and you did exactly what he said because you didn't want, for fear he might turn violent. You know, when they read that story, it breaks my heart. But like, I, yes, I could have been high and insensitive and unconsciously callous. But I never, ever felt that I hurt anyone. And I, even then, with all the drugs, I didn't have a violent vote in my body. The misconstrued uh, relationships, I believe, is probably something that not only should we explore in my case, but we should understand that going forward, there's new there's a new sensitivity mm -hmm. that men should gain. And, you know, and 30 years ago, it was different. Do you That's feel like it has tarnished your legacy at all? 
you know, I'm less concerned my legacy today than I am concerned with what I can do going forward to help the community. I feel like what's happening now, my voice has been muted to some degree. And this is exactly the, the kind of place where my voice is useful, at least in my own ego, I believe I should be useful. Yeah, whether it's the health in the community that I talk about and the diet I want to continue to promote. I believe in the equality of women and black people. And I've always fought for those two things. And I, and I was there fighting for equal pay for women 25 years ago. And I spoke at the Women's March. And I believe in the next steps that can take it to be inclusive. You know, one thing about the divine masculine and the, um, the divine feminine, the, the divine masculine, well, not even the divine masculine, the masculine is never aware of our toxic behavior. The divine masculine is aware of the toxic masculinity, but when we're in that toxic state, we're not aware. So can you understand why the women who spoke out against you probably felt like they needed to? Well, I can understand why some of them did. I do absolutely understand that with all the relationships I've had, that some gone wrong and that some women feel victimized, and I certainly believe them in some cases. What would you say to these women if, if they were in front of you now? What, what would you say to them, if anything? Well... I would say I love you. And I know that in some cases hurt people hurt people. I don't want to re-victimize or I don't think we should, I really don't believe we should be re-litigating 30-year-old stories that have never been told. Celebrities have big voices. Something happens to a celebrity, everyone relates to it. And so as part of furthering a great agenda, there may be some collateral damage. I wouldn't say this to those women, but I would say to those women in cases where, like a Jane Lamet, I'm so sorry. I never knew you felt this way. I spoke to you 20 times after. I had dinner with Drew Dixon a week after she settled her, her, her suit and asked for her expenses. I didn't know you felt this way. So some of these people who I saw over the years so many, many times who never expressed this to me, it breaks my heart to hear their stories. What about, what about uh, people who say you left for Bali to avoid criminal charges? There's no, I don't have any civil or criminal charges. I'm back and forth to LA. I was in LA in December in November and in, L in New York in December, I went to, took my kids away. I came back. I spent the first uh, two weeks in January. I'm here now stuck when the borders are opening in the next few days. And I'm back and forth 15 times. So that's just not true. You know, that's interesting because I see a lot of people going in on the women and saying that they're liars. They're doing this for money. So there is no civil case or a criminal case pending. There was a, there's a civil case that 31 years ago, uh, I don't want to talk about her history or what she said, a woman who I've never met wants $10 million. It'll be, I mean, I'm sure. So that's a civil case, but that's it. And that'll, the judge will throw that out, the two-year statute of limitation. So it, no, I, don't, I didn't escape anything. I came to Bali because my school, Tantris, was having a teacher training. And I was, was going to go either to India, to an ashram, or to Bali to get out of the media. And I came back home, and I went back, and then back home, back and forth. The fourth or fifth time I got here, I started to build a house. As a woman, I know it's really difficult for women to speak up when they feel like something's happened, especially when it involves a celebrity, just because of the level of people who are going to say, oh, she's lying, she wants attention, um, and even just the threat of not even being able to work in this industry anymore. So... What do you think is the motivation for these women to come forward and make these accusations? I don't think it's for me to say the motivation. Uh, there's a lot of psychological uh, profiles 
and their studies. And, and um, a lot of people want relevance. And I'm not suggesting that people want to be famous or want money. But you can make that assumption if you like, that some people may want to be famous and even infamous as, um, and I don't want to, you know, you can, what I'd like for you to do, maybe, if you're interested, is read some of the stories written by the black investigative journalists that, and then call the witnesses yourselves. Call their parents. All right, well, don't move. We got more with Russell Simmons when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. EJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking in with Russell Simmons. Charlemagne? Did Oprah Gail reach out to you? Did Oprah reach out to you? I don't want to say too much about Oprah, but I will say that the minute I knew that she was involved in the documentary, I felt that she was my savior. She's going to walk away and tell the world why, because she was interested in the truth. She called, of the 30 witnesses, none of whom appear in the movie, 30 witnesses that I gave to the producers. They want to interview me, but they didn't want to interview the 30 witnesses. I, you know, it's interesting. Is it a yogi thing? Because I haven't heard you call these women a liar. I don't want to promote anything negative, and I don't want to get in the mud with the accusers. The only reason I told, the only reason I gave them 30 witnesses against the three leads in the movie is because I have daughters. The only reason I took nine lie detector tests, I took those tests and didn't give them to anybody. I did those for my daughters. So whatever I did unintentionally, I believe the women, and I believe me in some cases. I believe Jane Lamette. That's who I believe. She said she thought I might turn violent. She said she was fearful and did what I said. I didn't know. And I never heard from her that this is how she felt. And when I read the story, it brought me to tears. So, so I'm getting the feeling that you know you were a person, but you, you weren't a rapist. That's what you're... I was a horrible person. I mean, not horribly. We didn't know any better. I just, I'll just tell you, I was just watching Boomerang, and this is honest. I just watched Boomerang. You know, I went out. I had more foursomes than most guys had one girl. If I had a nickel for every girl who didn't get what they deserved out of our relationships, I'd be Richard and Puffy or something. But So I disappointed a lot of people, and I hurt some people. But I'm not a rapist, and I'm not violent. I've never been violent. I've never heard this characterization of me as this monster. So hearing it at 60, it broke, it's, it broke my heart. It was one of the most traumatizing experiences, maybe the most traumatizing experience of my life. And I deeply regret for those women who feel victimized. And I don't know how else I can do, but just maybe try to make it right by be part of the shift in consciousness that will, that will be more inclusive. For yeah, women. I want to ask about that when it comes to hip-hop, because, you know, hip-hop, you know, how does hip-hop come to a reckoning about the way we did used to treat women because it was toxic. You know, the music in the culture, it was rape culture. It was and still toxic. do. Still it, do. Not just did, but... No, it was worse. It was way worse, though. Like, but it's still bad. It was pretty bad. It's bad, but it was, it, was way, it was way worse back then. We talked to women violently, pouring drinks on them. Like, like it, it's a lie to act like hip-hop wasn't that way. So how do we deal with No, that? no, no. We were... Listen, but, but thousands of years, I you know, I don't want us to make this about what black people did when I hung out with the rock stars. And I saw them. Yeah, America. And they got stories on stories on stories. Nobody investigating. I'm not. I'm not asking anybody to to relitigate their lives either. But these women who wrote these stories, who grew up, you know, perhaps even almost my age, they didn't, rock stars were not so good. White men. That's why it was all white men and me. They called everybody. Allison Williams told me. I did her radio show uh, yesterday. She told me that she got four or five calls, and people would say things like. 
if you just tell your story, you'll help your sisters. I produced Just Call My Name, 1984, the record. And I produced uh, I Need Your Love and other stuff with Allison over the years. And she's told me how many times she got called. Everybody I know has gotten called. So I told a woman, because I wrote my life story too, I didn't put it out. And there's a chapter called The Awakening, right? And what I've learned in this experience. And I was telling a publisher about my history and how I felt somewhat like a victim. And, and then I, I thought, you know, I don't like saying that because I have mixed feelings about it. She said, women have been sitting on it for thousands of years. Just sit on it. And I do want to say, though, I can never judge how somebody would treat somebody else just because of how they treated me. Because I know there's people who have done things to other people. Just because they treated me well doesn't mean that they didn't do something else. So I don't like to categorize, well, this didn't, I didn't do this to this person. So how could I have done that? You know, and I people, certainly am not saying that. I'm telling right. you that. But I mentioned all the famous, all the women I've dated over the years. And I mentioned what they think about me. They don't think I'm capable of being a monster. And I just say that because it is, it does matter that you've had so many compromises. And, and, and character witnesses matter a little bit. But the 30 witnesses I gave were not character witnesses. They were there at every stage. And they heard different stories over these 30 or 40 years. So they've heard it differently. Yeah, I've got three more questions because there's been women with famous voices who said things like Russell has said inappropriate things to me. Like Amanda Seal said, Russell said inappropriate things to me. I've heard, you know, other women say that. You said inappropriate things to them. Look, I'm a deaf comedy man. I got a dirty mouth and I've been inappropriate my whole life. I've been inappropriate and times unconsciously callous. Never intentionally callous, ever. I've never been violent. I've never been a rapist. So I've been a lot of things. But I certainly never, ever intended to hurt anyone. And I don't believe that the net effect of my, my work would be judged as hurtful. But there are people who could have misconstrued and then they could then think that. But were there a camera in the room, no one would say that I was intentionally hurtful. Okay, and, and I, I want you to answer these two more questions because I don't know if I, if I got to answer. America, how do we deal with the shitty behavior that we used to display as men because i feel like the same way white people gotta atone for racism men we gotta atone for all bull how do we do that i think that we should be aware as we are more now i don't not only because we're threatened men are in hollywood afraid to come out the office they don't know what's going to happen what they did what they might get accused of that's one thing and that that's good because it's a wake-up call but the bridge building and the shift in consciousness and how do we hire women how do we empower women what roles can we find for them that they really suit and would make us and our companies better? And I want right. to support the growth of women in industry, and I want to support the growth of women in general. And you include know, women in the and include women in the conversation. When you want to say, "What can we do for women?" Let them also let you know what can be done for us to feel more empowered and for us to be able to express ourselves in the environment and have equality. And you can do that financially, too, with equal pay for women, for the same jobs that men do also. Do you feel like a lot of people are pointing fingers and, and not necessarily... Because, you know, you talk about all the things that you've done in your, in your career. You know, go to Congress. You've hired all these women. Do you feel like people are, are losing sight of all the things that you did do because of what's... No, I, you know, listen, I told myself when I couldn't make sense of this, and in my meditation, I realized it was a karmic effect for having been a shitty guy having been a womanizer. So I don't really face heavy, oh, I lost all my five charities. Mm -hmm. I lost so many executives. Some are still on the payroll, but I had to 
lose all my companies and all my charities. I lost my company that was all based on advertising. I lost 30 million bucks. I don't have a lot of money. I don't need money. I'm a billionaire. And God's got me. And I will rebuild. This is my final question, man. Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle said, life will give you whatever experience is most helpful for the evolution of your consciousness. How do you know this is the experience you need? Because this is the experience you are having at the moment. With that said, how is your consciousness elevated because of everything you've been going through? Everything. I feel like God has given me uh, a chance to speed up my evolution. I feel like I'm where God wants me, and I feel like I can be useful. And I read that book. It, it was the first time I truly understood yoga, this idea of awareness and presence. After reading all the yoga sutras and scriptures, I read that book, uh, The Power of Now. And he really helped me quite a bit to intellectualize, at least, or to understand what we all do everything for. So I'm deeply appreciative of that book. I don't know if you know, I gave Oprah that book. No one had ever heard of it. Mm. I read that book and it changed my life. Well, Russ, Russ, thank you, man. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure talking to you on and off air, man. I love you. God bless you. Thank you so much for having me on. And thank you, Angela. Okay, thank guys. you, Russell. Peace. All right. Thank you, Russ. Peace. Peace. Russell Simmons. It's time, time. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Yes, so James Dolan, as you know, this has been an ongoing thing as people feel like he should have made a statement. And allegedly some of the New York Knicks players and people that work at the franchise are very upset that there's been no statement. Well, originally... James Dolan sent out an email to employees explaining that we are not any more qualified than anyone else to offer our opinion on social matters. And that email was leaked publicly. And then he had to put out a second email where he condemned racism in stronger terms. But again, this was not anything that was released publicly. Well, now the Knicks Instagram account does have a statement. And that statement is, every one of us has a role to play in creating a just and equal society where there is no racism, bigotry, violence, or hate. We stand for all who act for positive change. Oh, somebody tell the Knicks, just post a black box, yo. Just post a black box. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, and so that was that. <laughs> I saw Jesus wrote, defund the Knicks. But, um... <laughs> Drop on a clues bomb from Jesus. Nick's That's just disappointing. Defunded, by the way. Well, according to Jalen and Jacoby, they've been making more. The value of the Knicks have gone up every single year. So, yeah, people still go to the yeah, games. Right. I, I don't know why, but yeah, now nah, they still go to the games. Yeah, I'm talking about defunded as far as players. Oh. Our roster trash. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to play for the Knicks. Sucks. All right, now the CrossFit CEO has resigned. We told you about all the backlash that CEO Greg Glassman actually had received, and he's also the founder. Well, he has officially stepped down as head of the company, and that's for a couple of different things. You know, there were some comments that he made in a company Zoom call. He said, we're not mourning for George Floyd. And in addition to that, he had a, a very rude joke that he made on social media where, uh, you know, he was just mocking the death of George Floyd. Well, mm-hmm. now he has stepped down and he'll be replaced by Dave Castro. A lot of people have disassociated themselves from the company. Reebok severed ties with CrossFit right after Glassman posted that tweet that was very offensive to people. And in addition, they said he also sent out derogatory and offensive emails to gym owner Alyssa Royce. So he's gone. 
All right, Damian Lillard has also put out a powerful spoken word. It's called Blacklist, and this is honoring George Floyd and other police brutality victims. Here's a portion of that. I feel the tension rising. 1950, how we divided. And I ain't even tripping on how the season decided. Racism pandemic is years ahead of the virus. Really mean it, but they gonna try to play us as tyrants. Look, Ali wasn't the greatest just because his hands work. Frontline for his people, this was a man's work. Before he let the black people down, he let the fans hurt. So if the stars is aligned, that mean it can work. Don't need to prove I've always been doing God's work. Even before I was in a Bentley like Farnsworth. Make me sick to my stomach to see these moms hurt. Tommy Smith, fist in the air. This is what our bond worth. Drop on the, the whole thing. Damian Lillard. Yeah, shout out to Damian Lillard. Yes, the whole track, it, uh, Blacklist, is nearly three minutes, and it's on his SoundCloud. So that was him, a uh, portion of him just expressing everything. And I encourage everybody to go listen to that. You know, he goes by Dame Dalla. Yeah. And he's an artist. Dame, Damian Lillard is really nice. He's, he's, really a, good, he's a dope rapper. Basketball. And Dame Dollar is really good at rap as well. Yes, he is. All right, B. Simone. Now, some people have some things to say about comments that she made on Nick Cannon's show where she talks about her dating life and what her deal breakers are in a relationship. Here's what she had to say. Tall, a little older. Older? What, what's the Older, age? he can't have a nine-to-five. Why not? <laughs> you don't want him to have an honest job? He could be a, a hustling entrepreneur. So you I want him to be a, you want CEO status? Yes, Okay, he can't. He can't. So like, he can't, he can't like, clock in and clock out. No. No. <laughs> Damn, be some more. should date entrepreneurs. All right, so she doesn't want to date somebody with a nine to five. Here's what else she had to say to Nick Cannon. Everything I have, my dream career, I manifested it. I'm trying to manifest a husband. Ain't that wrong with a nine to five? I get it. They work hard. I used to have a nine to five. Nothing is wrong. Nothing is wrong. I need an entrepreneur. I need somebody that understands my mindset. Somebody that has the same lifestyle. It has nothing to do with money, everything to do with lifestyle. When I'm in the bed at 3 a.m. checking emails, what you doing, babe? Working, what she's doing, working. Okay, love you. Mm, you want to have on a flight tomorrow? I have a meeting in, uh, out of town. You want to go? You got to go to that? Let's go. Okay, you understand my life. So people definitely reacted to this on social media. What do you think about it? I mean, I don't understand it. I don't get it. It's nothing wrong with somebody working a nine to five, but everything is in preference. If, if that's what she prefers, that's what she prefers. I don't see any, I don't see anything wrong with anybody having a nine to five and working. So I mean, I would be upset. I would be upset if I wanted to date B Simone and I was furloughed or fired from my nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be, I'd be, all right, that would make me feel away. I don't understand why mm-hmm. she nine to five shaming people. What's wrong with having a job? Yeah, I don't know. And, and a lot of times people, people do have a nine to five and make way more money than entrepreneurs do or can be even, you know, some entrepreneurs, just because you're an entrepreneur doesn't mean that you're A, successful or B, super motivated either. Correct. There's, anybody yeah, I mean, calls themselves that, an entrepreneur our, nowadays. And that's our preference. And she's entitled to her preference. But she I is. just don't understand what's the problem with somebody having a nine to five job. I don't I don't understand. Nine to five jobs make great money and even if they like, even if they don't make great money if you're making a living be happy like that's what, what I what if care you have about. a nine to five and you're an entrepreneur then does that count you can you can do both you can do both you, you should you should be doing both it's, it's 168 hours in a week so once you do your nine to five you should be putting some money towards you know whatever your entrepreneur dreams are but i just i just don't see the point of shaming somebody with a nine to five like there's nothing wrong with a nine to five job jobs are good people you know how you know they're good because there's 40 million people right now, 40 plus million people who don't have one, and they would gladly take one of those nine to five jobs Absolutely. and keep food on their goddamn table. I don't know so what you want to call somebody about. your daddy? Huh? 
No, she's talking about uh, Dame never... Dash. Dame Dash. <laughs> oh, I was like, what? <laughs> Just came out the blue. The <laughs> job is a job. Salute to everybody out there who has a job right now. You are blessed. Absolutely. And trust me, it's 40 plus million people out there who wish they had a job. Well, maybe they don't, though, because that unemployment is booming. The people that can get it. Because 44% mm-hmm. of those people can't get the unemployment. And there's people who have nine to fives that are actually doing that because they're hustling to actually start their own business, too. You know, in order to own a Chick-fil-A, you have to work there. Absolutely. Ain't nothing wrong with a nine to five. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with a nine to five. All right. Well, I'm Angela Yee, and that's your rumor report. All right. Charlamagne, who are you giving that donkey to? You know, we need uh, the New York, what's his title? New York Police Union President Michael Mara to come to the front of the congregation. We'd like to have a word with him. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Charlamagne, say the gang, donkey, other Charlamagne. You are Donkey. <laughs> it's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day does not discriminate. I might not have the song of the day, but I got the Donkey of the Day. So if you ever feel I need to be a Donkey <laughs> man, hit it with the heat. Uh, yeah, it's the Breakfast Club, bitches. Who's Donkey of the Day today? Donkey of the Day for Wednesday, June 10th, goes to New York Police Union President Michael O'Mara. Now, we all know that people's worldview is based off their own personal experiences. We all see things differently. Even if we are looking at the same thing, we all feel things differently. Even if we are experiencing the same thing, we all hear and comprehend things differently, even if we are listening to the same thing. That's just the world we live in. Uh, I try to be tolerant of people's worldview. No, tolerant isn't the right word. Uh, I try to be indifferent about people's worldview. I I scribe, keyword scribe, because I definitely don't always get that right. I scribe to be indifferent of people's worldview because unless someone's worldview is actually dangerous to my and others' existence, I don't feel the need to challenge it. That's just how they feel. That's just how they see things. There lies the problem with a lot of folks, though. You know, worldviews are dangerous. A lot of folks' worldview actually causes harm and danger to others. And that's exactly where we are with Michael Mara. Now, of course, you know it's been protests in New York City in regards to the death of George Floyd. Uh, NYPD has a long history of police brutality and police killings. Sean Bell, Amadou Diallo, Eric Garner, just to name a few. Uh, you got cops like Francisco Garcia. Do y'all remember him? He kind of went under the rug, right? Remember he tased and punched that young man a few weeks back? He's been named in seven lawsuits settled by New York City police for $210,000. Uh, literally, before the protest, we were complaining about the NYPD and how they were going through black and brown neighborhoods, putting hands on people who weren't social distancing, but treating white folks with the utmost respect. Since then, anybody with an Instagram or a Facebook can see videos of police being violent towards protesters. Okay, it didn't stop, all right? It actually got worse. We've seen them shove protesters. We've seen them pepper spray peaceful protesters. We've seen them beating delivery guys with nightsticks. We've seen them drive a police vehicle into a crowd of protesters in Brooklyn, okay? I haven't heard any officer apologize or say that was wrong. Not saying it hasn't happened. I just haven't heard it publicly, okay? I haven't seen it. Hell, Mayor de Blasio defended it. He said, and I quote, if a police officer is in that situation, they have to get out of that situation, end quote. De Blasio sounds like Marshawn Lynch saying he got to run through a mother effer's face. Okay, if you got to run through a mother effer's face, run through that face. All right, when you hear the mayor say that, when you hear the celebrity in chief Donald J. Trump say things like he said yesterday, uh, the 75-year-old man who got pushed to the ground, skull cracked open, was a setup from Antifa. When you hear stuff like that, you realize how deep the corruption goes in these police departments. And you realize why nothing ever changes. If the mayor don't care... If the celebrity in chief, the president, don't care, why would these cops ever care? 
They're not being held accountable because the people in charge don't hold them accountable. Now, would you like to hear what New York Police Union President Michael Mara said yesterday? Let's hear it. Stop treating us like animals and thugs and start treating us with some respect. We've been left out of the conversation. We've been vilified. It's disgusting. Trying to make us embarrassed of our profession. 375 million interactions. Overwhelmingly positive. Nobody talks about all the police officers that were killed in the last week in the United States of America. And there were a number of them. We don't condone Minneapolis. We roundly reject what he did as disgusting. It's not what we do. It's not what police officers do. Our legislators abandoned us. The press is vilifying us. Well, you know what, guys? I'm proud to be a cop. And I'm going to continue to be proud to be a cop until the day I retire. O'Mara said police officers have been left out of the discussion. <laughs> no, you guys are the discussion. All right, this is actually all about you and the way you treat citizens of this country. In fact, if police weren't out here killing unarmed black and brown folks, uh, you know, killing unarmed white folks, if they weren't out here pushing 75-year-old men to the ground and slamming women on their faces in mall parking lots, then we wouldn't be here, okay? Mike, have you seen the same videos I've seen? I'm starting to think there really is a whole different Instagram and Twitter I don't have access to because you want people to stop treating cops like animals and thugs? When the reality is y'all the ones acting like the animals and thugs, you want people to start treating cops with some respect? Well, respect is a two-way street. If you want to get it, you've got to give it. Okay, I believe in that quote, but not in regards to the police because you can listen to the police, be courteous to the police, be respectful to the police, and cops will still be the holes of an ass. I had to say it like that because you can't say holes on the radio for some reason. But my point is, Mike O'Mara, you said you don't condone what happened in Minneapolis with George Floyd. But how do you feel about what happens right here in New York? How do you feel about the NYPD? We don't have to leave this city. Do you think cops driving a police SUV into a crowd of protesters, is that the respect you're talking about? Is the way Francisco Garcia handles people when he tases them and punches them, is that the respect you want from us? I mean, we are only giving back what we are receiving. And Mike says 375 million interactions between officers and the public, and, 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 and all of them were peaceful. A majority of them were peaceful. I don't remember how he said it, but I just want to know, why is there 375 million interactions? And who keeps counting that kind of stuff? Why is there more interactions with officers and the public then there is actual people in America. I know for a fact the public isn't coming up to the cops, you know, asking them what they smoking. You know, I know the public isn't pulling over cops for any reason, you know, so why is it so many interactions? Anyway, the moral of the story is this. We don't care, we don't care, we don't care, okay? Y'all going to stop killing people and beating people up for no reason. We are going to continue to push for legislation like the Justice in Policing Act of 2020 uh, that bans the type of chokeholds that killed George Floyd, uh, that bans no-knock warrants in drug cases so the likelihood of situations like the ones that killed Breonna Taylor don't happen. New York pa passed the Eric Garner Anti-Chokehold Act, making it a felony to injure or kill using a chokehold like the one that killed Eric Garner. We are going to continue to push for those types of things. And if that is what you call treating cops like thugs and animals, if that's what you call treating cops with no respect, then so be it. Okay, if you can live with cops like Francisco Garcia, if you can live with cops driving trucks through crowds of peaceful protesters, then we the people can live with you being mad simply because finally, for the first time ever that I can remember, 
Cops are being held accountable for their BS. Please let Remy Ma give uh, New York Police Union President Michael Mara the biggest hee-haw. Hee-haw, hee-haw, you stupid motherfucker. Are you dumb? All right. Well, thank you for that donkey today, Charlemagne. Yes, now, sir. when we come back, uh, yesterday, Angela Yee and Angie Martinez got a chance to speak with Brianna Taylor's mom, Tamika Palmer. So they're going to talk to her when we come back. So don't move. Very serious. Very powerful. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, uh, Angela Yee and Angie Martinez got a chance to speak with Brianna Taylor's mom, Tamika Palmer, yesterday. Yes, and it was really important and powerful that we do something like that because Brianna Taylor, everybody's been saying her name. Her 27th birthday would have been on Friday, but a lot of people don't know the details of how she was killed by police officers and just what Brianna Taylor's mom, Tamika Palmer, was dealing with after her daughter was murdered by the police. So let's get into the interview now. One of the reasons I really wanted Angela and I to do this together is because I was really... You know, and I really think about it until Lanita and everyone, and Tamika Mallory, who were on the call, shared with us that sometimes getting justice for women seems harder to get people's attention and get people organized and get people riled up. And that really disturbed me. Mm-hmm. And there were, we were on a group full of incredible women. Each person on that Zoom vowed uh, to be committed to getting Brianna's story out there and to getting people to understand that something actually can be done and needs to be done. And Angela and I were just part of a large group of women who also made that commitment. And we thought that together that we could use both of our platforms to help get Brianna's story out. And the hashtag has been trending and everybody knows what happened. But I would love to hear from you, Tamika, exactly what happened to your daughter. She was killed by Louisville Metro Police Department. Friday, March the 13th, they went into her home for a warrant or something or another, did not announce themselves, uh, scared the crap out of her and her boyfriend, who apparently let off a shot, and then they proceeded to shoot 20-something times into the home and uh, shot her eight times. Okay, so the reason why they went into Brianna's home was they said they were looking for somebody who didn't even live at that address who was allegedly selling drugs out of the house, and that person had already been in custody. Uh, Right. Prior to them even entering the home. Exactly. We hear conflicting stories about whether he actually lived there at some point or he used to live there. You actually told us that that's not true at all. Yeah, he's never lived there. Mm -hmm. And they had what was called a no-knock warrant. So can you break down what is a no-knock warrant? Because this was my first time hearing about this, too. I didn't know you could just barge into somebody's house, break down the door, and not even announce yourselves. And there are some discrepancies on whether or not the police announced that they were there, announced that they had a warrant, or if they just broke in because apparently both Brianna and her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, thought that somebody was breaking into their home, and he was a licensed gun owner and did fire at the police because he thought that somebody was breaking in, correct? Correct. He fired at the police. He also called the police because he did not know that these were police officers coming into the home. So apparently, like you said, there's no knock there. They can come there, bust down the door, and just come in. Um, They hit the door with a battering ram. Uh, Several times, Brianna and Kenny both were screaming, who is it? Um, Who's at the door? They never announced themselves. 
but when they first released their story, they said that they announced themselves. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Kenny, several neighbors, no one heard them announce themselves. Right, and so what was even more shocking to me was that Kenneth was actually charged with yeah. shooting a police officer with attempt, was it attempted murder that he was charged with at first? Yes, ma'am. I just want to set this scene because it, hearing the story from you personally really changed some of the perspective I had. Well, not that I had any other perspective except that justice should be done for Brianna, but it just really, I really understood the moment and how it happened that this young girl, this seemingly amazing girl who had a career in help to help people. Clearly she cared about people. She, she was a healthcare provider. She was a EMT worker, was home minding her business in her own apartment and somebody busts into her house. Mm -hmm. And from what I'm understanding, even though the police say that they announced themselves, this is a small apartment, correct? This is a right. complex where if, if there was police activity, a neighbor, somebody in the hallway, I mean, is it the type of apartment where you hear your neighbors? Like, Yeah, there's not a hallway. Each person has their own door, but it's a very small square there that you go in to get into these eight, uh, there's eight apartments in each building, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you absolutely were here, somebody out there. So any of the neighbors would tell you she's pretty quiet. They never really ever heard her. You know, they saw her coming and going far, going to work or, you know, coming and going with her sit my other daughter, which is her little sister. They never really made a lot of noise. So to hear all of this stuff going on would alarm people. Have these police officers been charged with anything yet? No. No, they haven't been charged. They're only, they're, they haven't even been fired. No, they're on administrative leave, so they're still being paid by the police department. And what's shocking is this happened March 13th. Yes. Yeah, one of the saddest things that I learned from you, Tamika, on the phone yesterday, and I heard you say also at one of the protests, was that you have felt alone for, for quite a while. Like, people are stepping up now and really demanding justice and really inspired by some of the other things that are happening in this country that people are like, okay, well, let's focus on Brianna now. But you have been fighting this fight since the day you lost your daughter. Absolutely. And With I felt alone because, you know, you hear these different stories all the time. Uh, the police go in, it's a raid going bad. People are shooting. So you think, these people were doing selling drugs and shot at the police. So people kind of moved on when, in fact, that wasn't the case at all. Hi, we have more with Tamika Palmer, which is Breonna Taylor's mom, and Angie Martinez and Yee. When we come back, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, if you just joined us, Angie Martinez and Angela Yee had a chance to speak with Tamika Palmer yesterday. That's Brianna Taylor's mom. So let's get back into part two of the interview. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. How, where were you when you found out? Like, who called you? How did you even know something was happening? Kenny called me, her boyfriend. I was home in bed. Kenny called me and said that somebody kicked in the door and he thinks Brianna is shot. And I'm, and I'm, like, what do you mean you think she shot? Where is he? He said he couldn't see. Like, he had, like, he was yelling her name and, like, screaming for her. But, so, of course, I jump up and we kind of, we get disconnected. I drop the phone and whatnot. But, um, so I get dressed and I head over there. But in the middle of me heading over there, I'm calling Kenny's phone. He's not answering. So I'm calling Brianna's phone and she's not answering. And so when I get to her street, it's lined with police. Um, there's an officer at the end of the road who I tell that I need to get through there. Something's going on with my daughter. She tells me 
that I needed to get to the hospital, that two ambulances had been through. One took an officer and the other took the girl, who, whoever was hurt. And when I get to the hospital, I'll tell them why they're there. So she, they check. She comes back and said, well, she's not here. And I said, well, I don't know. Maybe I got here before her. And so I sit there for about two hours and the lady comes out and says, well, ma'am, there's no uh, recollection of this person even being on the way. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I needed to get back to the apartment. They sent you to, to the hospital knowing yeah. that she was not at the hospital? Yeah. And she was still in the apartment? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, what did I'm they say to you? What, de- yeah, what details did they, did they give you? Like, why did they say this even they, happened? Well, at that point, they, did, they didn't. No one knew what was quite going on. But once I got back, um, I was able to get through a little more. So I was closer to the apartment. And there were some more officers kind of standing there hanging around. So I told them who I was and that I needed to get into the apartment and, and see what was going on with my daughter. So they told me to hang tight that a detective would come over and talk to me. And so I, we stood out there about two hours be- before the detective came over. So when he comes over, again, we introductions, uh, who I am, who he is. And so he asked me if uh, I knew of anybody who would want to hurt Brianna or Kenny. And um, so, of course, I say, no, I'm, you know, of course not. Like, they're Why not would they ask you that? Why would they ask you that when they knew who did that to her? Well, I at this point, they still hadn't told me who did this and what happened. Huh. So um, he's wow. just... Yeah, so I asked, where's Kenny? You know, like, I need to talk to Kenny. And so he told me to hang tight. Um, So he came back about another hour and a half, two hours later, and he asked, had Brianna and Kenny been having any problems? And I'm like, are you, no, are you insinuating Kenny did something to Brianna? Because Kenny would never hurt her. And so at this point, I'm screaming, where's Kenny? I need to talk to Kenny. So... He says, well, Kenny's at one of our offices trying to help us piece together what happened here tonight. I asked about the officer being shot. I said, well, why was there, they said an officer was shot. He said, well, he was here responding to a call. And I said, a call for what? And he said, well, there were some officers there to serve a narcotics warrant. And I said, for who? Because Brianna and Kenny ain't got ain't selling no narcotics. And he, he said he wasn't for sure. He hadn't seen the warrant. And I said, well, I want to see the warrant. And he said, well, that he didn't know where it was, that um, they hadn't seen it, that it could have gotten lost in the shuffle of things. So he tells us to wait again. So it was probably about 11 a.m. when he comes back over and tells us it'll be a little bit longer. They'll be wrapping up and that we'll be able to get into the house. And I say well, why won't you tell me where Brianna is? I need to see Brianna. And he says, well, she, well, she's still in the apartment. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that we have to make you tell this story. And even... But it's important that people know the details of what it is that she went through, the cover-ups. And yeah. I can't even imagine how that must feel to know that they gave you the runaround like that at that time. And the only thing you want to know is where is my daughter? Exactly. And um, so when he says she's in the apartment, I, I knew what that meant at that time. 
So I said, um, well, I want to see her. I need to see her. I need to know that it's her. And he said, well, we've identified her through paperwork. And I said, well, how do you know it's her? Because there's two women that live in that apartment. And he said, uh, are you sure? And I said, yes, I'm sure, because my other daughter lives in that apartment. But at the time, I knew she wasn't home, but I wanted to see Brianna. He said that I still couldn't see her, that it would be up to the coroner. So the coroner finally arrives, and it was about 1.30 p.m. when the coroner comes out and says, you know, um, that he would, I wouldn't be allowed to see her and that they've already identified her. And um, so they kind of just, some other people, like, snook her away in this van while the coroner was talking to us. Has at any point anyone apologized to you? No. Has at any point... I'm sorry, what were we going to say? Let's give her a moment. I'm okay. Okay. No, we really do appreciate you for your strength and being able to relay this story. I know you've told it countless times, and we just want people to hear your story, and we want some action to be taken. What does justice look like for you now? Uh, these officers being fired and arrested. If anybody else would have done it, they'd be arrested. So they they obtained a warrant under a lie. They told several stories, and so they should be arrested. I mean, they lied. They, there was no reason for them to be there. And the person you, you wanted, so you proclaimed to want it was in custody. So to go in there at one in the morning and scare her and kill her. So what, what can we, we do now? Right. What do we do now? How do we help? I know the system is one conversation, but how do we help Tamika get justice for her daughter right now as a community? What can we do? Contact the mayor's office to, to fire the office, to have the officers involved fired. That's Officer Brett Hankinson, Miles Cosgrove, and John Mattingly. They need to be terminated from their positions. Daniel Cameron, the Kentucky Attorney General, needs to charge the officers and prosecute them aggressively. And then we also have um, this Thursday, Metro Council will be voting on Brianna's Law. And it, as it is written now, is to significantly limit the use of no-knock warrants to only the most egregious of offenses like kidnapping, murder, um, human trafficking. But there is discussion to make that a complete ban on no-knock warrants. And we do think that that is important. So those are the three things right off the bat is ban no-knock warrants, terminate the officers, and charge and aggressively prosecute. Wow. Well, it took a lot of strength for Tamika Palmer to even be able to tell this story and have to relive those events again. But the full interview is on the Breakfast Club YouTube page. Angie Martinez will also be airing the interview during her show later on today. And again, those officers' names are Sergeant Jonathan Mattingly, Officer Brett Hankinson, and Officer Miles Cosgrove. So we do want to make sure that at least for the sake of the family, for Brianna Taylor's friends, and just in general, you want to make sure that there is some justice here. So you can, again, go look and see the full interview on the Breakfast Club YouTube page. All right. And when we come back, we got rumors on the way, so don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Listen up. This 
All the gossip. gossip. The rumor report. Gossip. With Angela, Angela Yee. It's the rumor report. The Breakfast Club. Well, first of all, y'all know I love me some Lizzo. And Lizzo came through with a great message because she has been working out and she posts her workout all the time. And here's what she had to say. So I've been working out consistently for the last five years. But I'm not working out to have your ideal body type. I'm working out to have my ideal body type. And you know what type that is? None of your f***ing business. Because I am beautiful. And worry about your own goddamn body. Because health is not just determined on what you look like on the outside. Health is also what happens on the inside. And a lot of y'all need to do a f***ing cleanse for your insides. Yes, I love it. She's Feeling right. What's on the inside is very important. Invest in your mental wealth. It's clear Lizzo in shape, though. I mean, you could tell when she dances on stage. Yeah, her performances be amazing. So, yeah, you know, for you, for you to be, for you to be that big and be able to move like that, you definitely in shape. All right, now Russell Westbrook is going to be executive producing Terror in Tulsa. It's a docu-series for Blackfin, and that is to mark the upcoming 100th anniversary of the infamous Tulsa Race Massacre. And so that should be really interesting to watch. And as you know, we've talked about this previously. Dream Hampton is also going to be directing Black Wall Street. That's a limited documentary series about the Tulsa race massacre for Cineflex Productions as well. So these stories are being told. Yeah, and those are great stories because they inspire. Because a lot of the things that, you know, black people talk about now as far as, you know, black ownership and, you know, financial freedom, generational wealth and owning. Yep. These are... Yeah, these aren't new conversations. These things have happened before. Like, like, like these in the Black Wall Street is one of those stories. All right, now Lionel Richie has a musical coming all night long. That's in the works from Disney. It's going to be a movie based all on the songs. <laughs> yeah, so that should be interesting to watch. I'm not mad at that. Yeah, I think that's dope. I like that. I like anything that's like based on you know, uh, real-life people and musicals in particular. So mm-hmm. I'll be interested uh, to watch that. All right, Anna Wintour. You know her from uh, being the editor-in-chief of Vogue magazine, and uh, she's the person that everybody wants to befriend so they can go to the Met Gala and all of that. Well, she has admitted that Vogue has been hurtful and intolerant and not done enough to promote black staff and designers. We've been through this. She mm-hmm. said, I want to start by acknowledging your feelings and expressing my empathy toward what so many of you are going through, sadness, hurt, and anger too. I want to say this especially to the black members of our team. I can only imagine what these days have been like, but I also know that the hurt and violence and injustice we're seeing and talking about have been around for a long time. Recognizing it and doing something about it is overdue. So, you know, Vogue, and that's something that people have looked to for so long and just as like a such a big deal to be on the cover of Vogue and they're still having like a lot of first moments, like first black photographer, first this, and it's like, come on, Vogue, let's get with the times. Uh, now, one of the co-creators of Friends, Marta Kaufman, also confessed that she should have been more diligent in addressing the very white show's lack of diversity. She said, I wish I knew then what I know today. I would have made very different decisions. I mean, we've always encouraged people of diversity in our company, but I didn't do enough. And now all I can think about is what can I do? What can I do differently? How can I run my show in a new way? And that's something I not only wish I knew when I started show running, but I wish I knew all the way up through last year. And, you know, people talk about friends all the time and how there's no black people on friends ever. And that's been a a conversation that people have been having for quite some time. Yes, and Friends is just a ripoff of Living Single. Let's be clear on that. Okay, I never watched Friends. Yeah, I never, I never watched it at all. 
Me neither. I definitely everybody, have watched Friends because it, it used to come on so much that sometimes you just turn on the TV. And I used to watch Seinfeld. And I think Friends, I feel like Friends used to come on right after Seinfeld or something. But for some reason, like, I'll randomly know certain episodes. I never watched Seinfeld. So, I never watched none of that. I, never, I love either. Seinfeld. I I'm not going to lie. Friends. Nope. I never, never watched, watched none of the older. I never watched Cheers. Huh? I never watched none of that stuff. I used to watch Cheers now. I, I can't never watched none of it. Watch Cheers. I, know, I know the theme <laughs> song, but I never watched it. So I, I like Seinfeld. I used to think it was pretty funny. So, All right. Now, Neo has faced some backlash after he spoke at George Floyd's funeral. So, And you can tell he did not have any intention of having to go up there and speak and Maybe he just misspoke, but here's uh, what he said. Because he actually sang, it's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday in honor of Mr. Floyd. And here's what he said. This man changed the world. Changed the world for the better. So I just want to personally thank George Floyd for his sacrifice so that my kids can be all right later on. I appreciate, I appreciate the sacrifice, my brother. I genuinely do. Sorry, I ain't coming to talk. All right, all right. And he received backlash? Well, I think, you know... Over him saying that George Floyd, Floyd sacrificed himself so that his children can live. And I think, you know, the truth to the matter is he didn't sacrifice. He just was murdered by the police. Was it wasn't something right. that he intended I'm, to do. And I don't think Neo meant any harm by that, by the way. Neo I think didn't that mean he any just, harm at all. I'm, I think that I the, mean, what he meant to say was, let's not let George Floyd's death go in vain. Let's not let his murder go in vain. I don't think that George Floyd was like, I'm sacrificing for people's kids, but I just think that's what he really meant. And sometimes right. people, but when they have to freestyle and get that, up man. there, yeah. He's uncomfortable. He's the, singing at a funeral. Words just came out of his mouth. We know what Neo meant, man. And, and, and what Neo said was, yes, George Floyd died, and hopefully my kids will have a better life because of what happened. That's all he meant. Right. I'm that's sure. not let it go in vain, what, and yeah. I'm sure that's what he meant. Yeah, I don't know what Neo meant, but I know that, you know, Jesus got murdered. And they say Jesus made a sacrifice. Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X got murdered. And people say they made a sacrifice. So what makes it a sacrifice when you're doing work that you know ultimately will get you killed? Because um, I, don't, I don't think George Floyd wanted to get murdered. But if you no. believe in God and you believe everything happens for a reason, then maybe it was a sacrifice, especially if it serves a greater purpose. The question is, if you knew something like that had to happen to you to bring about universal systemic change in the hearts and minds of people and laws, would you do it? Would you make that sacrifice? That should be the question. Right. Well, you know, I just think that Neo didn't mean any harm. So I just wanted to put that out there because clearly he's performing at this man's funeral and doing that. And I'm sure that's not something that you get paid to do. Like you just do it because you want to, because you care and you care about the family and you care about the friends. And so I'm sure his intentions were good. And we have to think about people's intentions at times as well. All right. I'm Angela Yee. And that is your rumor report. All right. Thank you, Miss Yee. Now, shout to Revolt. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice mixes up next. Get your request in. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, we got a shout to uh, Russell Simmons for joining us this morning, all the way from Bali. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. It's up on YouTube right now. Go yep, watch and, it. O- and also, from we got a sh- conclusions. Mm hmm. Because we know you will. Oh, they already have. And also, we have to uh, shout out to uh, Angie Martinez's Angela Yee for doing an interview with uh, Breonna Taylor's mom, Tamika Palmer. Yes, and I just want to let people know if you want to also make those calls to make sure that these police officers, these three officers, are charged, are fired, 
You can call the Kentucky Attorney General's office. His name is Daniel Cameron, and that number is 502-696-5300. That's 502-696-5300. All right. All right, when we come back, we got the positive notes. So don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Uh, we'll see you guys later on. Now, Charlamagne, you got a positive note? I do, man. Uh, it's really simple this morning. If you're helping someone and expecting something in return, you're doing business, not kindness. Breakfast club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done?